Welcome back to the same 24 hours podcast. It is freezing cold here outside of Boston, Massachusetts. There is snow and I'm very cold. (laughs) And that is all the update I have for today. But I had a great interview with Courtney Olson. You guys are going to love her. She knows what it's like to drag yourself up from the bottom. And you know how my heart is such a fan of the rock bottomers (laughs) and not because like, Hey, I love when people hit rock bottom, but because I know that when people rise from rock bottom, there's always an incredible story and an incredible tale to help other people. After she, after Courtney survived sexual assault and eating disorder, depression, and drug and alcohol addiction, all before she was 21, she turned her trauma, pain, and despair into strength and power and confidence. She saw a greater need out in the world to empower women, and we're going to talk about that in this episode, and you're going to absolutely love her. So I hope you all enjoy this episode with Courtney Olson. Hi, and welcome to the Same 24 Hours podcast. I'm Meredith Atwood, author of the book, The Year of No Nonsense. I'm a former attorney turned writer, speaker, and Ironman triathlete. Although right now, all I really like to do is lift weights. We all have the same 24 hours, but it's what we do in those hours that leads to our greatest health, happiness, and success. It's my goal to crack the code on a life of less nonsense so we can all make the most of our 24 hours. So let's get started. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Same 24 Hours podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Atwood. I'm very excited about our friend today. Our guest, Courtney Olson, is here. Hello. Hello. So excited to to talk to you. I'm not in a bedroom on a bed (laughs) with the computer balancing on a suitcase. You are? Yeah, I am. We're in an Airbnb down in Australia right now. I know it I sounds have never known. Hard. Yeah. See, so you just I- told your secret and I couldn't tell. Damn it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Hey. Yeah, that's okay. Well, I'm excited to talk with you. I think we have, I don't know, it's very rare that I have a guest that I'm like, we could talk about, I don't know, 19 topics. Totally. You know, it's just, there's so much in your story and in your Instagram feed. I'm like, Oh, Oh, I could talk to her about that. I could talk. I mean, I don't even know where to start with you. I think we should start with your story because, um, I think everyone that's had a really solid rock bottom has an awesome story because rock bottom breeds so much greatness. And, um, that's a a lot of my story too. And so uh, let's just start with your story and see where we go. Because honestly, I don't even, I feel like if I pick a topic, it would be doing us a disservice. <laughs> yeah, uh, I hear you on that. And I'm um, super grateful you uh, are doing this and stuck at it because a lot of podcasts on these topics are kind of boring, really. I don't know. I, yeah. Yeah. So I uh, aim to be not boring. Yeah. Maybe a lot of things, but not boring is a big, yeah, big goal. I will, I will say I've had Miley Cyrus wrecking ball stuck in my head <laughs> since I read your post the, the post before I forget which one it was but yeah it was the one where I was walking on the treadmill yeah yeah 
I'm just it's been it's been in there okay I can't sing I couldn't carry a tune if you strapped that shit to my back so but yeah it's been on repeat for like oh my gosh hot minute well it's really rare that I can get a laugh out of my husband like he's just and but when he does laugh he really laughs and so the first post I did after my surgery was me walking on the treadmill took the song coming in hot and it's like coming in hot and I'm barely walking and I have like my spa flip flops on and he laughed so hard at that. And so then I did wrecking ball and he laughed really hard at that. So something about the music combo and my pajama feet walking cracks him up. So, you know, that's gold. That's gold. That's all that matters. That's a big score. If you can still make your husband laugh after a hundred years of marriage. Yeah. 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 Coming up on That's my right. 10 year anniversary and I'm just like, what? I couldn't even handle like 24 hours with somebody. So it's big win, big win, big win, big win. Well, speaking of big wins, you do have quite a story. So let's, let's hear the, I mean, I don't want to say elevator pitch cause I don't want to rush you through it, but let's tell your story because it's really, it's a big one and it's definitely a great jumping off point for us. Yeah. Cool. Uh, it's, yeah, but I, I will attempt a slight elevator pitch because my my book took 500 pages, you know. So <laughs> I thought, maybe I will try and you know I'll aim for the elevator pitch and probably come out somewhere in the middle. But um, yeah, you know, I and it's probably a story that's similar to yours in a way and everybody else's because I mean the feedback I've been getting from my book is people are like I just read my story you know and I'm like yeah well geez so um you know typical girl that grew up hating her legs thought I was fat you know used to daydream about sawing off the inner fat part with a saw like just ridiculous you know product of a divorce and an alcoholic mom Um, you know, and I think a lot of us don't realize how damaging it is to be raised by a parent that's not present and, you know, hammered 90% of the time. So, um, by the time I got to junior high, I started counting calories. And then by the time I got to high school, um, I went down the path of, you know, bulimia and, and, uh, well, first started with anorexia and, and then slid into bulimia my sophomore year. And then by the time I got to my, my senior year, you know, I was uh, in a Christian rock band, was supposed to be the first female president of the United States. Um, I don't know, Christian rock band. I look back now and I'm like, what? It's <laughs> funny. Um, was, you know, captain of the cheerleading team, all these extracurricular curricular things. And um, I ended up smoking meth. So as the as the ASP president, you know, I'd be up for like two weeks straight trying to address the student body at a private Catholic high school, you know. Oh my gosh. How did you smoke meth? What, I mean, how did it go? Was there gateways? Like, did you start with meth? Did you smoke cigarettes first? Like, what? I went straight into that shit. Like, did you? Slid in, you know, home run. And um, I knew better, you know, I went through the yeah. D.A.R.E. program. Okay, I watched the kid that got kicked out <laughs> that great mouthwash. John Tyndall, bless his little heart. He he pounded mouthwash, got kicked out. You know, I saw, oh my gosh. growing up in Humboldt County in Northern California, you know, it's just, you see lots of, you see lots of drug addicts. And, uh, you know, it was either really like grow pot and smoke pot or, you know, make meth in the bathtub and be a tweaker. And I just... <laughs> 
I was so desperate to look like Kate Moss, you know, that, that, those were the images in my head with, you know, the nineties Calvin Klein ads. And I will never forget that first ad I saw of her standing on one foot, like a fucking peacock and her other, I guess it was in yoga, you know, it's what's the tree pose or whatever. Right. And her collarbones are sticking out and it was this black and white picture and these little spaghetti straps and like her jawline was even casting a shadow on her face. And I so desperately wanted that. And it was funny. I was DJing our uh, Sadie Hawkins dance and I've got all the CDs <laughs> packed up in the hatchback of the Honda Accord and drove over to my best friend's house because she was supposed to be having a party. And I walked in and and my stepsister was there and like a handful of friends and like it wasn't a party, but everyone was out back Um passing around this pipe you know and I, I was just like I, you could just tell something was off and wrong and intuitively looking back it was like every sign in my body was like run fast right. I'm like what's going on and sure enough I hit that thing and I hit the pipe and you know from there it was just it was I was gone I was just so addicted to that that feeling and then of course not eating because I I didn't have an appetite. So lost a bunch of weight, pissed away all my scholarships. Um, and then a teacher pulled me up and being a good private Catholic high school, they were like, do you want us to tell your parents or do you want to see a drug counselor? I was like, drug counselor, please. <laughs> right. Drug counselor sent me to a guy who was supposed to be my mentor, who was like a golden gloves bo boxing champion, an ex-heroin junkie, married to a nun. So what could possibly go wrong? And um, I went to his boxing class and with three days being clean, he invited me over to his house to watch some boxing tapes because he wanted to make me his last professional champion before he retired because the guy was 72. And when I got to his house to watch tapes and, you know, order equipment, he ended up giving me uh, like a cognac, a cup full of cognac. And at the time, like I, you know, you don't realize that there's no difference. Like drinking is, you know, you might as well be hitting the, the meth pipe. It's right. all the same, really. Uh, and so that, and then, and I, he had, he was smoking a joint because it's again, Humboldt County. And um, I'd never really smoked pot. I think I had like at once at that point, but it was evidently laced with something. And after about 20 minutes, I passed out and I woke up with this guy inside of me and it was, I was 17, he was 72. And that, I know, right? You're just like, but it's become so, I want to say normalized, but so many women and even men, you know, I've had a lot of men tell me they've had, you know, stuff come up from their childhood that they completely blocked out. And I'm like, damn, this is just such a large topic that, you know, as young people, so many of us get violated in some way, shape or form. And our brains are so capable of blocking that shit out or, you know, doing the other maneuver and just getting hammered for like right. 20 years afterwards. So <laughs> yeah, so it, that pretty much was the, the point in which my life took a drastic turn. And then from there, you know, I just walked into the shoes of my mom and picked up drinking. Like I, I put down meth, but then I just became a hardcore alcoholic and, um, you know, went through a, a series of, um, trying to quit and buy and several, I mean, I've wrecked five Hondas, uh, including a CBR and, you know, that's you like the Honda though. They're, they wreck yeah. good. I mean, they keep yeah, you safe. I'm, 
been waiting for someone to reach out from Honda and be like, Hey, can we do endorse, you know, this new, this new line coming up or something. <laughs> and, um, so yeah, I, uh, got into bodybuilding really as a means to a way out, you know, and that became my thing. Cause I was always obsessed with working out since I was, you know, like seven years old, I was always obsessed with muscle. And that's a whole nother podcast. We could talk about why that happened at some point in the future, if you want to do round two. But um, I, I got into doing that. And finally, you know, I'd gone to rehab at one point when I was 21 and blah, blah, blah. Um, finally got into doing that. And of course, after a few months of being clean and sober, I hurt my back and got addicted to pain pills because that wasn't my problem you know my name was on the bottle totally justifiable yeah i shoved my foot in a high heel for eight hours a day just so it could look like it was throbbing and and really sore and i needed pain pills but nonetheless my name was on the bottle right and uh, whilst i was in the gym and doing all the stuff I, I stumbled into um the muscle fetish world and i found this ad on craigslist that and at the time i was selling cars i was an internet um, sales manager for like seven dealerships and absolutely could barely drag myself to work because I hated, I hated it so much, the repetitiveness, the emptiness. So I was looking for anything I could do. And I'm like, yeah, I'll, you know, do some nude modeling or implied nude for a hundred bucks an hour. Let's do this. But this ad was like muscular calf video shoot ballerinas and athletes need apply. And I'm like, hell is this? must be some kind of porn. Let me take a picture of my calf muscles and send it <laughs> off. And I did right there from my office. And little did I know that one ad would lead me down this two year rabbit hole of discovering that the world Meredith is not what we think it is. And people are all wearing a mask in particular men. And that I, I just had absolutely no idea that my whole life I wanted to be Kate Moss and be a size zero and have a thigh gap. And there was this whole world. And I'm talking about like federal judges, FBI agents to um, computer programmers and car mechanics. I'm not talking about like, you know, the high powered CEOs that are mean at their job all day. And then when they get off work, they want to be belittled and called a little bitch and slapped around. Mm -hmm. There were some of those, but this was literally every walk of life, every age, every background. There is this, this whole world of men that were obsessed with female strength and muscle and the bigger, the better. No kidding. I do not not know this. Oh, what? No, I mean, well, I assume there's always a someone who's obsessed with a something or something. Yeah, that's it. I mean, yeah. yeah. Someone will pay for that. That's what I tell women all the time. I'm like, hey, someone will pay for that. I'm not even kidding. (laughs) You know, and and discovering and figuring out like, yeah, okay, men are programmed differently. And, you know, they're hardwired for different stuff. And I I actually got really into this. And I started because what started out is like video clips and I mean, I'd get paid a hundred bucks to $300 to do these custom videos. And some guys would have me crush cereal boxes between my legs. Some guys would have me arm wrestle and wrestle other dudes. And of course I always won um, picking up guys or even sometimes women and carrying them around. So there's like a cradle, there's a fireman carry, um, piggyback rides, shoulder sits, you know, just demonstrating your strength in some way, shape or form. Um, some are just purely into muscle worship. Where and anyone that's listening right now that knows me is like, Courtney, stop, stop. You're going to make her do it. 
Because <laughs> oh, yeah, she loves to, to show how strong she is. She didn't know that there was this world after, that she could make money at it. Oh my gosh. Have your husband be your manager. He can <laughs> sort it out and he, the, he's the, you know, he, they got to go through him. And I'm, I'm, it just, I had no idea either. And that's why I had to write this book. So when yeah. I started, the, I literally started this 10 years ago when I met my husband, I actually met him. Um, I was on tour and he's like, when am I going to get you out to Australia? And I'm like, where the hell is Australia at anyway? <laughs> so he had flown my ex-boyfriend and myself out there to, to wrestle. And that's how I met him funny enough. And, um, you know, I just, I, I had absolutely zero idea. And sure, there's plenty of guys that are like, oh, I'm much more into Kate Moss in a size zero, but that's a, that's just a percentage. The world is just made up in between from there to the exact opposite. You know, there are men who pay women to eat cake, <laughs> to eat cake, like that whole thing, like Dr. Pimple Popper or whatever yeah. that. Yeah, oh, yeah. I was that was 10 years ago. That was on this website. Like that, that was the thing back then. I'm like, Oh, I can't do that. I'd get requested to do all sorts of random stuff, you know? And you just realize wow. that beauty truly is in the eye of the beholder. You know, it's not the advertiser. Like we, we've been led to believe because we think beauty is what's in the eye of the advertiser and it's the exact opposite, you know? So that really, really was my my first watershed that was like my big turning point in realizing that you know everybody's wearing a mask and when I get pulled over by a cop now I'm like oh, yeah I bet I know what you like to do when you get off work you want to put on women's pantyhose and have me slap you around it's totally fine you know but society tells men and you know this is where I kind of started out was I guess you'd say a men's right activist which is quite funny now because I appear to be some guys think I hate men I'm like no man no that's not it at all but uh you know and saying to these guys like look society tells you and what's your husband's name or we can James. make him. James James you act like a man you don't step outside this box or you're a little bitch you're the breadwinner you don't cry you know like all these right. things that men are supposed to be and that they, they do, you know, struggle with that just as much as women do, you know, and, and like with your, your, you have two sons, right? I have a, a son and a daughter. Oh, a daughter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good 50, 50, 50, 50 split yeah. insanity. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So I, have so it's like, uh, I tell people, I'm like, no, I'd be in prison for beating them 100%. <laughs> <laughs> no. I don't know how you do it. Seriously. You don't want to beat him. It's more like, like I tell my son, I'm like, you're lucky I'm not a, you know, a, a lion because I'd have done eating your head off by now. You know, I'm like, some days you're just looking at him and they do something. You're just, you think <laughs> I could just eat your face like a lion right now. Just <laughs> you're gone, you know? Um, yeah. So oh, not, be, not beating as much as eating. So I don't yeah, know what yeah. fetish that is, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure of it. And that's the thing, you know, like there is not one person that is that, I mean, maybe there is, but it's so rare that it's that cookie cutter, leave it to beaver, yeah. you know? So, yeah. So nonetheless, but your son, your son would still be, I mean, in kids these days, they've, this is a whole new ball game with 
you know, what they're doing and the shit they're exploring and talking about. So good, good on them. I still fight it. A lot of the times I'm like, what do you mean? I can't address the crowd as, Hey, you guys, like, come on. I know. You I know? say you guys all the time. I, I know. know. I know. It's just a ton that I'm, I need to, you know, move forward with, but, uh, it's just, it's been quite interesting to go through that experience and say, right, the world is not what we think it is. These gender norms and thinking that girls have got to be X, Y, and Z is a crock of shit. And, you know, let me do something about that. So to fast forward and, and to get to the end of this elevator pitch, which is turning out so well, um, <laughs> basically my, my husband, he, so I moved out here to Australia, fell in love. We got married three months after we, we met. So it was a bit of an alcoholic move, but whatever worked out well in the end, like I said, we're about to come up on 10 years. Um, and he took a job as the CEO of a national rugby team, which is like the equivalent of the NFL, you know, like the Raiders or something. And at the time I knew that I was tired of being a sex symbol, if you will, is how stupid that sounds. And I was getting paid $400 an hour to either beat men up or choke them out with my legs or, you know, smash watermelons in front of them, um, you know, uh, arm wrestle them, whatever. And I was like, this is great money, but it's still, I have a void in my soul. You know, I, I want to share this message with women and tell them that the world is not what we think it is. And I, it was at that time too, I started noticing how good it felt to connect with other women and to compliment another woman and like to not see each other as competition. So I kind of started mm. sliding that a little bit. And, um, he, he took this job subsequently at the same time and he said, Hey, well, there was a, um, a volunteer position to be the strength training coach for the under twenties or the under 18s, which is like the B feeder team, you know? And, um, so I was doing that for a few weeks, trying to figure out what it was I was going to be doing. And a journalist saw that my last name was different than my husband's and did a little bit of Googling around and found my old videos, you know, on this clip store, which was an adult only website, but I didn't have anything on there that was, I wasn't even topless or, you know, mm -hmm. I had my watermelon smashing video, which I'm sure you've seen at some yeah. point, you know? Yeah. Like there was a way to put that up and make residual income because women being strong and you know, overpowering men is a fetish because, you know, we don't really see it in mainstream. We kind of do now. This was 10 years ago, mind you. And um, so he wrote this headline that said, you know, CEO hires ex-fetish porn star wife to train the under 20s. And that one headline got syndicated and it went around the world because of Rupert Murdoch. And it just spun off into all these different things. And I became uh, the center of a porn scandal. And I was this, you know, junkie, you know, I hadn't drank or, or done drugs, but what a, what a disgrace. And it was shocking. It was absolutely shocking. But the interesting thing was the day before this story broke, I'd applied with big brother, big sister, because I was like, you know, this is a cool job, but I still I want to talk to teenage girls or do something, you know, and say like, look, hey, don't get your tits out and send a picture to your older boyfriend. So he buys you beer, you know, he's a dirtbag. Right. Why? Um, here's how to be assertive, you know, if maybe you have alcoholism in the family and your grandma can't drink, you know, like, here's, here's what that means. Just all the stuff I wish you and I were taught in school. Right. And so then, again, the next day, the story broke. 
a month later because Australia shuts down for the whole month of Christmas. It's crazy. They're like, yeah, take a month off. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> we were like one day, get, get your ass back to work. Right. So, uh, then they, big brother, big sister had called me. I forgot all about the application and they were like, Hey, you know, we, we think it's great what you're doing. We read your blog, see you're writing a book. Cause again, I started this 10 years ago and I said, but unfortunately we can't work with you. If a mentoree can Google you and, you know, see what you've been up to, why then, you know, we're really sorry. And then I was like, oh, I was just wrecked. You know, I'm like, oh, I am a piece of shit. And they were right. And I was just fucking gutted. Like someone ripped my heart out and stomped on it on the ground and just told me that basically everything I thought that I was going to be able to do now I can't do. And I literally sat there for 10, 10, 15 minutes and just sobbed. And for some reason, you know, when you hear the term God shot, you know, people say, Oh, I had a God shot moment. And it was, it was like, that was like a spiritual experience, but it wasn't a burning bush per se, but I just had the word. No came across my head. And it was like, all of a sudden I was like, you know what? Fuck that. I'm going to start my own program ran by people who've been there and done that and not just talk the talk, but actually walk the walk, not learn about this shit out of a textbook, you know? Yeah. So that's what I did. I sat at my kitchen for the next kitchen table, rather <laughs> sat at my kitchen at the table for the next nine months and wrote a program called Camp Confidence for teenage girls and came up with this structure to teach them the five habits, lessons, and principles that lead to the development of self-love. And in that, once they get that, then they will stop seeing each other's competition. And these teenage girls would come, they were cutting themselves. Meredith, I mean, just gorgeous. Look at your daughter, right? You sit yeah. and look at oh, her. Oh, gosh. Like, right? You're like, you are so perfect. You have absolutely everything in front of you. This is incredible. And then, you know, a year later, she's like cutting herself. I'm fat. I'm ugly. I'm just like, oh, what the, what is going on? Right. You know? And realizing how detrimental social media is to them, you know, and they're not fully conscious and all these things that are happening that they're not learning in school, you know, so it was truly a remarkable program. And these girls would come and after the weekend, because it was a full weekend, they would have 10 best new, new best friends. And, um, you know, I wrote this thing called the pledge. It says, I solemnly swear to the best of my ability to refrain from talking negatively about myself as well as other girls. I'm an equal amongst my peers and I do not see myself as neither better than nor less than. Through this pledge of non-judgment, I understand and embrace that I'm having a positive impact on the world and furthering the global revolution of body acceptance. And they would take the shit together and then they would put these little crappy cyan bands on each other's wrists. <laughs> oh, like a live strong band, you know, that's yeah, like yeah. confidence. Yeah, confidence with the K. So when they would be out in there in the world and they'd see another girl with that band on, they knew straight away that that was their sister and not their competition. And that, you know, they came from the same same place, camp confidence. Right. And, um, and after we had about 62 girls go through it and um, it actually happened, two girls ran into each other out on the street, like, ah, you know, super cool, ah, crying moment. And then one of my partners got pregnant <laughs> and I was like, you do that. Like props to you, but I keep, you know, and so she, we stopped the program. And then in the downtime, 
I thought, right, how do we take the same mission and vision from Camp Confidence and get that out to the world? And my husband actually had come up with the idea of, well, why don't you do a clothing line? Because he saw me, you know, trying to put dumb shit on a t-shirt for <laughs> months. And he's like, yeah. Our poor is- husbands. That was, I, I put dumb shit on t-shirts too. Yeah. <laughs> ridiculous so that then became girl clothing and that pledge is on all of our hang tags on all the clothing so instead of this shitty little cyan band you know now women obviously it's got a different name it's got a different logo different color different pathway I suppose but it's the same same shit so you know, when you see another girl out on the street and you see her girl leggings or whatever, you're like, oh, what up? She's, you know, we're coming from the same thought, the same, you know, you're not my competition. And uh, it's just, it's remarkable to see how that transition went, you know, from that to to that, from like smashing watermelons and laughing <laughs> at dudes in their tiny, whatever, I won't go into too much detail. But <laughs> never know who's watching. Uh, but you know, from picking up men and carrying them around a hotel room and getting paid $400 to do it to now empowering women to say, Hey, no one gives a shit about your cellulite, but you, and that's the direct design from the diet industry for you to feel miserable right. and popped and, and keep trying to fill that void in your soul with shit that will never leave it fulfilled. So that's kind of the, that's kind of the story really. And now yeah. For five years and here we are. Well, so what is, what can you share the steps that you, at least part of camp confidence, like the steps towards this radical self-love that you want teenage girls? I would love to hear at least a couple yeah. of them. Yeah, totally. So, and it's funny because now I'm to that point now where I hate clothing. I really do. I'm like, <laughs> put us all in a uniform or be naked or something. Give us a space suit, you know? I'm not a fashionista by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I don't even wear a t-shirt to like fifth grade until I moved, started sharing a room with my stepsister who was a year older than me. And she had like double D's in the sixth grade. And I'm like, <laughs> So um, with, with camp, it was, so the five habits, which are fitness, nutrition, self-defense, meditation, and um, journaling which I kind of changed the name to personal development when we started doing this with women. It's basically, a, there's a whole um, journaling book that goes through these different steps. And of course, getting used to doing a gratitude list and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all these things. And I would show them, for example, uh, there's a movie, it's a, more or less a documentary, but it's called The Stoning of Soraya M. And it's a true story on this woman in the Middle East who her husband accuses her of adultery because he saw her talking to their neighbor and was basically like, fuck it, I want a younger wife. And she gets buried up to her waist in her wedding dress. And her father is the first one to throw rocks at her head. Like she gets stoned for this. And then her sons. And it's just like, are you serious? In the West, here we are, you little shits don't want to go to school because you're getting bullied or you're bullying the other person or, you know, all, you can't wear your hair asymmetrically or whatever shit you're banging on about. But look what's happening out in the rest of the world. Like the, the women in the Middle East are getting stoned because they don't go out wearing a scarf over their head, you know, like 
let's get it together here. Or I'd ask, you know, talk about Malala. And I'm like, she got shot on the bus in the head because she refused to get off of it because she's refused an education. Like, oh, I'd get my tears get all, my eyes get all filled up with tears. And I'm just like so angry. And they're just like, oh my God, you know, because a lot of us just don't have a clue outside of what's going on in our little sphere. You know, I'm in a bed, I've got a roof over my head, like just basic things. And it's like, we know, even as an adult, you know, you, it's like, you can know it, but you don't know it. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you're not living it, but you know it and you know better. It's interesting to take it from here to here. Right. <laughs> right. right. But it's so true. So they would, they would go through that and work on creating awareness. And then that night, you know, they'd make their little vision boards and all the rest of it. And then, um, with the, uh, the principles were honesty, forgiveness, service, um, gratitude and laughter and i'd take them through uh laughter yoga i don't know if you've ever seen laughter yoga but no it, it, oh my god it's hysterical you actually and there's like some trend right now on tiktok where you fake laugh until it becomes laughter i'm like yeah dick that's laughter yoga that's an actual real thing this is from a doctor in um india who realized you know laughter is the best medicine and and tried to like make something out of it and do comedy and then realize that you know, that's not sustainable. So now it's this actual format where with their breathing exercises and childlike behavior in a group of people making eye contact, your fake laughter eventually becomes real laughter. Mm-hmm. And it is the only time I've ever been able to like properly meditate being without thought for an extended period of time. And I was so upset at first when I got thrown into a laughter yoga um, situation at a conference. I was like, I'm supposed to be here learning about a business. What is this shit? My ego was <laughs> off. You know, we're standing on one foot, jumping around, acting like a flamingo or something. I'm like, this is so dumb. And then I caught somebody's eye and I was like, you look so dumb. I look so dumb. And I just started laughing and I could not stop. I laughed for like 40 minutes straight. I had a migraine the next day. I was laughing. I had laughed so hard. So <laughs> taking them through laughter yoga and realizing, you know, like no one gets out of life. Like, you know, that, what is it? No one gets out by without paying taxes and, or taxes and death are the only things. Right. Right. Death and taxes. There you go. Death and taxes. That's right. So I'm like, have the, have the ability to laugh at yourself, you know, have some humility. Like, yeah. When I was drinking, I took a shit in your bathtub and then wiped my ass (laughs) with your girlfriend's white robe. I laughed. I did that. You know, obviously I didn't laugh at first because you, you know, really sombering to get sober and realize, oh my God. So, um, you laughter yoga and then the, um, lessons were, um, acceptance. Well, let's go the right direction. Awareness, acceptance, assertiveness, um, self-belief and, um, gosh, what was the last one? Escapes me off the top of my head, but the, the most important, like, for example, out of those, I believe is the assertiveness piece. And we put them through assertiveness training and just teach the basic things. Cause especially as girls, you know, we're, we feel guilty for not accommodating everybody else, you know, and we say yes, when we want to say no. And when we say no, we're treated as being bitchy or stuck up, you know, as opposed to with boys, it's like, oh, you're a leader, you know, right. great job. Whereas with us, when we want to say, you know, express ourselves properly, it's like, oh, she's a bitch. No, 
I'm just telling you how it is. So teaching them those basic things and getting them to use I statements, like, well, I feel, and then of course, like, you know, effective communication and, and not texting your parents and we, we get them to come home. You imagine your 12 year old daughter coming home and being like, mom, we need to talk. You raise your voice a little bit. Mom, I'm, I'm not going to have this conversation with you if you're going to raise your voice. <laughs> but, you know, we would be like, look, your parents are doing the best they can with the tools that they've been given. Right. It's up to you to stop acting like a little shit and take responsibility for your life, break that cycle and be the bigger person. Right. And this way you don't have to sneak out when you're 17. You can negotiate your way out, you see? So just stuff like that. It was, um, it was quite powerful. It was, wow. it was uh, yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, I mean, the power of communication, that that's amazing. That's amazing. And I did a lot of work with my kids this past year. And I don't mean with them. I mean, on myself, on how yeah. I would speak with them and yeah. speak to them um, because I was getting more amplified, <laughs> also known as yelly, as my yeah. son said, you know, because I would just be like, are you kidding me that we're, I'm having to ask you and it would make me so mad. And I would just get, Ugh. cause I come from a long line of people. When you want something done, you yell at them. Yeah. And so I just kind of made this decision. Like, I'm not going to yell anymore, yeah. like at my kids. And so to do that, I said, anytime I yelled, they would each get five bucks. So they got really rich for a period of about three weeks yeah. <laughs> while, while I broke my yelly habit. Yeah. Um, but what I realized in the process is there were just, their attitude was just a reflection of my poor communication to them. Yeah. And they were just responding to crazy ass mom, you know? And so learning that most of what I was getting from them, they were just given back. <laughs> They were yeah. giving back in their language and in their way. And, and so to teach all of us, I mean, not just the kids, I mean, all of us need a reboot on yeah. how we communicate. Cause we did learn to communicate poorly. Yeah. <laughs> if you were, if you exist in this world, you learned how to communicate poorly. Um, I think this generation is starting to figure out how to, yeah. to fix that. But the last two generations, there was no real yeah. great. <laughs> ways done I don't think and then you add in electronic communication right and people yeah, are right. on Facebook and just sitting there pissing into the wind at each other with comments and or text messages you know like in my I remember my niece had sent my brother a text and it you know it was so super passive aggressive but um when I would read it out loud and I'm like listen and then I would read it like she was super pissed off and she was super sad. And then I'm like, you can't, you can't tell without pitch tone speed, you know, like this is the worst form of communicating ever. Like how many times have you had the most basic misunderstanding? It just happened the other day. We bought a car and um, the, it had like 14 kilometers, seven miles on it. And the uh, finance guy was like, oh, we're just waiting on parts. My husband was like, well, well, I don't want a new car that needs parts, you know, forget about it. Like take your $500 and shove it uh, for the deposit. And after getting on the phone, he, what he the other guy was trying to say, cause he's from the UK and he, he was calling parts. Uh, he wasn't calling them accessories. They're just floor mats. Oh, <laughs> and, right, like they're accessories, dude. No, it's not, that's not a part. Right. But it's so 
it's just the most basic shit. So yeah, it's quite interesting. Yeah. 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 So hopefully. Well, tell- uh, oh, go ahead. To- I was just gonna say, hopefully at some point I get back to that because that's that's what I like to get out of bed for, you know, because yeah. it's your daughter that's gonna be running stuff here very soon. Right. You know? Oh my gosh. Yeah. She will run the world. I know. You're like, thanks for that reminder. Yeah, she will run the world for sure. So tell us <laughs> about your book. You said it was a 10-year project. And yeah. so how how's it going? Um, I love to promote authors, obviously. Um, yeah. I'm one, so I like to help oh. others. But tell us about your book, where they can find it, and what oh. what's it about? Uh, so it's called Crushing It, which unfortunately I didn't realize, and I should have looked into this shoulda, woulda, coulda uh beforehand but gary v has written a book called crushing it so i was like damn but um it's basically a self-help memoir you know because at the end of every lesson there's um a series of journaling questions that we just started a book club uh yesterday actually and so we get get these women into small groups of three or four to go through these questions because it's a a lot easier with a friend, you know, or somebody to do it with for accountability. But I, you know, I didn't. It's the same thing with like doing the steps in recovery. It's not until you put pen to paper right. and you start creating awareness around all these things from your past and why am I programmed the way that I'm programmed and. Why do I do the things that I do? And, you know, what things do I want to change? It's just creating awareness. And, um, this, it, it, you know, I say memoir and you're like, oh, that's, I, I don't know. I would never read someone's memoir unless it was Prince, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but that being said, it's, it's really an addiction body image memoir, if you will. And then of course that piece I was telling you about with the muscle fetish industry, because that really, in my experience is tipping the patriarchy on its head. Now I'm not a feminist. I don't, I've never identified with that term, even though I suppose by Webster's definition, that is what I I stand for and what I'm doing, you know, is fighting for women's equality and whatnot. But the word feminist just has never resonated with me for some reason, but with the patriarchy, you know, it's like, yeah, this is a, our whole system is designed around men and their empowerment and, you know, being masculine. And so I question, I question the gender roles, you know, and we're us being souls, having a human experience. And, you know, we can, we can go into both of be gender fluid, if you will. Like I know there's a lot of people that are, are still quite confused by gender. So I, I go into that a bit as well, but it's, yeah. It's essentially is a self-help manifesto style book. And it's a super fast read, I'm told, because like I told you, 500 pages, forget about it. I have so many <laughs> goddamn books, Meredith. Like I, I love to buy books. I just don't read, you know, and that's primarily because <laughs> I, I am slightly ADD, but um, I, I've recently crashed and burned with my thyroid. And that's why I slowed down enough to be like, let me reach out to Meredith <laughs> because previously, <laughs> seriously, I think we'd connected like two years ago. Yeah, I think you're right. Vegas. And I mean, I gas pedal to the floor nonstop 24 seven for the last seven years, really the last 10 years. I went to traveling internationally before it was tours with this. And then now, you know, with the clothing line and um, I, like I told you before, it's like, you know, something, but you don't know it like, cause you're not doing it. And I knew eventually I was going to crash and burn. But this time around, um, cause I was diagnosed with Graves disease three years ago, which is an autoimmune disorder. It's the opposite of Hashimoto's. So you got 
hypothyroid where your thyroid mm -hmm. slows down, like two out of 10 women have some kind of thyroid condition. Um, and then there's hyper, which is less uh, prominent, but that's where your, your shit speeds up. And I mean, I, I lost like 20 pounds and three weeks. I was I'm like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> I know at first I was like, oh, hey. And then like, hey. like oh, no. <laughs> my, strength, my strength left like, too. Can like, I get a side of graves with my uh, dinner tonight, please? I'll I did take that when, disease. I, when I got diagnosed, I was like, all right. Went out, had like three hamburgers, you know, I, I did, oh, it was hot mess express. Um, and, you know, I managed the symptoms enough to get my thyroid to, to get back in balance. But now, unfortunately, I, you know, if you don't attach it or attack it at the root, it's just going to come back. You know, it's just putting a bandaid on top of it. So this time around, it started about early December and I was waking up at 3 a.m. on the dot. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? And I started getting my heart, like, um, it was going AFib again. Like it would skip a beat and then slowly but surely it was two days after we got to hotel quarantine so when you come out to australia uh you do two weeks in a hotel no fucking you only open the door to get your food no windows to open i mean it was it was interesting hmm. um with my husband and nobody brought a book of matches for the bathroom so that was great <laughs> uh but we made it and um two days into it though i my thyroid shit the bed and I'd like a resting heart rate of 170. I'm like, yeah, that ain't good. That's not, that's not great. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So uh, it's been about three months and it's, it's finally stabled again, but now I'm like, okay, no more. I need to chill off the caffeine, the legal stimulants, you know, which I won't say what it was because if, if someone out there listening is like me, they will go find it and start taking it. <laughs> Cause I got a lot of shit done. Let me tell you, it was great. I, I picked it up off of a blog from Dave Asprey from, I think that's how you say his last name. Yeah. From yeah. Bulletproof guy. Bulletproof, mm -hmm. Yeah. Don't punch that guy in the dick. If I ever meet him. Oh, well, <laughs> absolutely. will. so yeah, it took a hot minute, but I finally, you know, gave, gave that all up. Um, and I think I've meditated for four days in a row now, and I've been trying to do that for 10 years. So sometimes you got to almost die to start right. living, you know well i mean it seems like you're a little bit like me like we got to find out for ourselves before we, uh, yeah you know it's like oh well that's them let's see how this works for me yeah 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 100%. <laughs> let me go ahead and try that five different ways my own way and, oh my yeah. gosh well courtney yeah. i could talk to you for 100 years i know and we didn't even scratch the surface on like all minutes. the things we can get a lot done in 30 minutes oh late hour gosh. later. <laughs> I would love things. to send you some gear before you yeah, go. So. I will wear it. Yes, for sure. Um, tell everyone where they can follow you because seriously, go to this girl's Instagram and scroll oh, and scroll and scroll to the bottom and read up because <laughs> I feel like some people, and this sounds very conceited, but like if you scroll to the bottom of my Instagram and go all the way up, you're like, who is this human? Because there's been like so many adventures <laughs> and right? so many like growths and, um, you know, changes. And I feel like your, yours is that way too. So I feel yeah, like kindred, kindred spirit. So kindred spirit, old souls, you know, we got to hang out in real life when this virus that's right. is off. So that's right. So uh, Courtney underscore Olson, right? On yeah, Instagram. K-O-R-T-Y underscore Olson. That's usually where I'm at the most is yeah. on Instagram. So that's right. And or, your book crushing it. The subtitle is, it has a great subtitle. How I smashed, uh, um, 
oh my gosh, how I smashed addiction, uh, diet culture and the patriarchy. That's right. Gary V doesn't have that one. That's right. Yes. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. So thank you so much for having me. I'm glad we, good things come to those of us that wait and, and be patient. And do things on our own terms. Right. That's right. Thank you for joining me on this episode of The Same 24 Hours. Remember to rate, review, and share this podcast. It really matters. I appreciate it. See you next time.